Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together for prayer and ask God to bless our time together and bless His Word as we study it. Father God, we praise You for all that You are, and we thank You for the privilege that You give us to stand in Your house and to worship You, to exalt You, and to lift You up. Lord, we come now to a time in which we hope and pray that You would make our hearts uh, aware of Your presence in our life, and Lord, that You would allow us to, to hear Your message Help us to hear your words, and Lord, may your Spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start uh, down at verse 35. As you make your way through Scripture, uh, uh, Brother Buddy was telling us this morning about uh, being gone next week because he's going to be in... uh, 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 Pittsburgh doing some mission work with the uh, association and I appreciate his willingness to go and uh, I recall uh, uh, several mission trips that I've been a part of and, and I, I enjoy the, the feeling of, of devoting uh, 24 hours of my day to, to uh, reaching people, to sharing the gospel, even if it, uh, uh, I, I've done a variety of different things on mission trips. Uh, I've uh, spent mission trips where all I did was preach four or five times a day and, uh, to hundreds and, of people, and so that by the time that that uh, we preached so many times during the day, another pastor and I switched off because it was just too much for us to do just by ourselves. And and as such, we still uh, preached about four times a day each. Uh, so, uh, and uh, we were doing medical dental missions, and and we would have a tent in the middle of of the area where all the people were getting the care. And and so, by the time that we finished each day, we had preached to thousands of people multiple times because they could hear us while they stood in lines all day to get dental care, to get prescriptions and things like that. And it was an amazing uh, feeling to do those things. I've done mission trips where all we did was go out and uh, knock on doors and and uh, share the uh, tracks with people. I've I've done mission trips where uh, seemed like all I did was make balloon animals, and uh, that was a challenge because uh, you, you think, well, you know, making balloon animals that's that's nothing. That's not that's not doing anything to share the gospel. But as I'd make balloon animals and and. Uh, things for kids I would share with them about uh, how God loves them and, and all of that and so uh, it's an amazing feeling to go and do things brother buddy is is going and they're going to be sheetrocking and and I know uh, you, you can feel sometimes when you do those kind of mission trips that you're not making an impact uh, one of the things that stuck with me uh, from one of my very first mission trips was a guy that while I was preaching and sharing the gospel with people in the lines and everything, uh, he was in a, a little uh, brick 
building not much bigger than what some people uh, around here would use for their uh, water pump uh, that they have in their uh, yard for their well. He was in there with a couple of other people, and uh, he was uh, helping to fill prescriptions the whole week. And he spent his whole day about uh, 12 to 15 hours that we were in there, uh, that we were at the camp working with those people. He had spent his whole time doing nothing but pumping uh, a shampoo into small bottles. We were required to buy the shampoo in these huge bottles, and it was quail shampoo. And if you've ever been somewhere where they have uh, uh, some critters, you know that quail shampoo is used to get lice out of your hair. And we handed out that shampoo to every single person that went through that uh, that camp. And so uh, he, we were sharing at the end of the trip, and he said... I, all I did was stare at a brick wall and pump shampoo. But he said, uh, God impressed upon me that I touched thousands of people's lives that week. And it, it changed the way I thought about things. Uh, and another lady that was in her 80s went with us and she said, I couldn't do much. But what I did, I did uh, with a, a joy in my heart. And she, what she did was she spent the whole week sweep, sweeping dirt floors and handing out water to uh, the nurses and, do- and doctors and EMTs that went along uh, that were taking blood pressure and that were doing other things. And so, and she, she just shared a wonderful testimony of how uh, God gave her a wonderful spirit. And so it's a, it's a great thing to have the opportunity to go on a mission trip. And I encourage everyone to at some point to do a mission trip, whether it's uh, somewhere within Georgia or if you go to another state like Brother Buddy's going to do or if you go to another country, take the opportunity to do that uh, because it's a wonderful feeling. One of the trips that I would love to to get to do is uh, a trip to Israel. And I would love to have the opportunity. I've never been to Israel. I've been to a lot of different places. Uh, I've gone uh, to Europe, to about five different countries. I've been to uh, Romania. I've been to Central America. and uh, But I've never had the opportunity to go to Israel. And I'd love to be able to walk in the places where Jesus walked. I'd love to be baptized in in the Jordan River uh, uh, like Jesus was baptized. I'd love to experience some of those things and because it helps to bring the Bible alive. And one of the things that I've been told is uh, that people go, that go there is the, the experience of seeing the Sea of Galilee. A lot of us realize that the Sea of Galilee is just a lake. It's, it's not uh, an actual sea like the Bering Sea or uh, uh, the Baltic Sea or anything like that, but it's very large, kind of like our great lakes and one of the things about it is, is that the the uh, the sea of galilee even though i haven't been there i know uh, what it's like and i can imagine it and but there's nothing like actually being there it's surrounded by uh mountains and 
uh, those mountains funnel cool air coming off the top of the mountains uh, down onto the Sea of Galilee and it meets the warm air that's warmed by the surface of the of this, uh, this big body of water that uh, like I said is a lake but it's as big as like the Great Lakes it, it's enough to where you can get out into the middle of that lake and all of a sudden that cool air and that warm air meet and what happens you have a huge storm that arises and today is uh, we're looking at a passage of scripture where Jesus is in the midst of teaching uh, people and he needs a break he needs time away to recharge and rejuvenate and so he tells his disciples uh, let's take those boats over there and remember uh uh, half of his disciples are fishermen. They're no uh, strangers to working out on the Sea of Galilee or or being in boats. And so he says, let's take these boats out and uh, go to the other side. And so that's what Jesus does. Verse 35 says, In the same day when uh, the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and they were... Uh, there were also with him uh, other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. What it's talking about is it's not full of fish, it's not full of people, it's full of water. It's, it's, it's taking on water and they're sinking. And uh, uh, so, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, he was in the bow, asleep on a pillow and they woke him saying unto him master carest thou not that we perish and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said unto them why are you so fearful how is it that ye have no faith and they feared exceedingly and said unto one another what manner of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him and so this passage of Scripture is um, another miracle passage. We're uh, coming to the end of our series on miracles. And I want you to notice a few things about this passage of Scripture in that it is very different from some of the other miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, this miracle is not a miracle where a need is presented uh, like someone that was uh, needed healing or, or rest, uh, having their life restored from some sickness illness. It's not a situation where there's a great need in terms of like feeding the 5,000s. Jesus has done those miracles and he's performed those miracles in a way in which uh, and I, if you remember all this period of time that I, I've been preaching about the miracles of Jesus, I've told you one thing that's consistent from each one. What is that? That each of these miracles, no matter what it is, demonstrates an aspect of, of the character of Jesus Christ. It does something to, to demonstrate who Jesus is and what, why He has come. This is what they call a nature miracle in that uh, Jesus is not 
dealing with something that is in terms of the physical realm, but he is dealing with nature. And this passage of Scripture also is very similar to a situation that happened in the Old Testament, and it, it goes to kind of portray or show Jesus in a particular light, and that is, is that um, and Jesus has even mentioned that he is going to. Uh, there's coming a day when he will show uh, people the sign of Jonah. And what what uh, what is what is it that Jesus meant when he means when he says that he's going to show them the sign of Jonah? Well, we know from this perspective of the cross that what Jesus was talking about was that Jonah was in the whale or the great fish for three days, and that he came out of the fish uh, after three days, and Jesus. Jesus was talking about being in the grave and being in the grave for three days and coming out of the grave uh, after those three days. But uh, this passage of Scripture also parallels uh, another event in the life, uh, this event in the life of Jonah in that uh, Jonah was fleeing God's uh, Direction, God's course for his life, but Jesus is not. He's not fleeing from God away from the cross. He's not trying to get away from what God wants him to do. Rather, he is rushing headlong towards what God wants him to do for his life. He wants. He understands that the cross is ahead of him. He knows what's coming, and Jesus is not shying away. Jesus is not avoiding that like Jonah did. But Jonah got in a boat, and he was uh, instead of going where uh, God wanted him to go to Nineveh, he heads to Tarshish. He tries to get away from uh, where God wants him to go. He goes the opposite direction. And while he's on that boat, he's asleep in the boat as well. And uh, what happens? A great storm arises. And the captain of the boat comes to uh, Jonah and says, hey, you're shirking your responsibility when in a situation like that. Doesn't matter if you're a paying customer or if you're a hand on, on deck. Uh, everybody gets in the... Pro- I mean, if you're taking on water and you're sinking, what do you do? You don't sit back and say, well, excuse me, I'm in first class. I don't bother myself with that. No, everybody grabs something and tries to bail water out of the boat because you want to survive. Okay? And he, he goes to Jonah and he says, hey, you're sleeping whenever Everybody else is working hard to, to stay afloat. Uh, get out here. And it parallels with the disciples coming to Jesus and they're saying to Jesus, Hey, don't you care about us? Don't you care whether we live or not? You're asleep in here while we're floundering here. We're taking on water and don't you even care? But as much as this parallels the story of Jonah, we see marked differences. And I want to point out some of those differences to you. First of all, uh, when Jesus goes in the, in the boat, how hard would it have been to fall asleep knowing what's coming? Jesus knew what was about to happen. And yet Jesus goes, lays down, and takes a nap. Obviously, he's very tired or else he... I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been in a boat I know how much a boat bobs and weaves. I couldn't possibly fall asleep in a boat. didn't matter what kind of water was out there. I would have still had a hard time. But Jesus was exhausted. He needed that time away. He was resting. But it also demonstrates something else. 
the disciples worry, are worried and they're saying, Jesus, why? Uh, when they come to him after the storm arises, they say, don't you, he says, don't, don't you even care what happens to us? Jesus is demonstrating that he, uh, not that he doesn't care in his disciples and his life. What he's saying to them in, in his actions is, where do I place my trust? I don't know about you, but I would have gone anywhere in the world with Jesus because I would have known as long as Jesus is in control of the situation, I know I'm going to be okay. That's like, I don't care uh, uh, what happens to, uh, to anything. If I'm flying on a pilot, I just want to make sure it's not His time to go when I'm flying and He's flying the plane and I'm in the plane with Him. Uh, anybody else can have a problem, but but if it, it, just as so long as it's not the pilot's time to go, and it's the same way with Jesus, I'll go with Jesus as long as it's not his time to go. And uh, Jesus was asleep in the bow of the boat, and he was just taking a nap on a big pillow back there. He was relaxing and demonstrating where he places his trust, and that that raises a question for us. These disciples, they knew who Jesus was. The disciples were hearing the message that Jesus had. They were seeing what Jesus was doing. Uh, If you wonder what was going on, just, you know, back up a little bit. In Mark, you'll see that there's an account of of Jesus healing people. There's uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus is teaching people uh, all the things about uh, what is to come and, and, and the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. Here's these men who have get, uh, set aside their life. They're lauded for the fact that they're His disciples. They've set aside the concerns of the world uh, for a period of time and they're following after Jesus. They're not worrying about the fishing business that they've left behind. They're not worried about the taxes they haven't collected. They're not worried about all the work that wasn't being done on the family farm. They had set all that aside in order to follow Jesus. Why? Was it simply because he had a good line about coming and following him? Was it because he was, it was an opportunity that they didn't have before? Obviously, there was something about Jesus that, that was different, that attracted them. Something that they knew about Jesus that, that told them that they needed to follow after him. Remember, Jesus uh, 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 attracted these men before he started doing any of these uh, miracles. And so, obviously, not all, it was something other than the miracles that attracted them to Jesus, His teaching, the look in His eye, whatever it might have been. And yet, there was something lacking because they didn't have faith at this situation. At the end of this, Jesus questions their faith and says, Look, don't you believe? Where, uh, why do you have such a lack of faith? Obviously, they had enough faith to follow after Jesus, but their faith was still lacking, which brings up a point that I'm trying to make and, and want to ask you today. How much faith do you have in Jesus Christ? 
Well, I have enough faith. I'm, I'm a Christian. I thought, why are you asking me that, preacher? I'm a Christian. Don't you know I've been uh, a member of this church for years and I was baptized and, and all of that? I'm not saying that you haven't done all of that. But obviously, Jesus was talking about more than just simply that. Because He said to His disciples, Don't you have enough faith? These men had followed, followed after Jesus. They had done more than what we require to follow after Jesus. What, 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 kind of, what kind of response would you have if we said to you, okay, if in order for you to be a Christian, you have to lay aside everything that you want to do and spend your whole day at church every day studying about Jesus? might cause some of us to question the practices of the church. But these men who were disciples of Jesus, that's exactly what they did. They set aside everything. They didn't worry about where they were going to find their next meal. They didn't worry about any of those things. They simply followed after Him. And yet Jesus says, don't you have enough faith? So obviously we can be Christians and we can be members of this church. We can have been Christians for a long time and still not even exhibit the kind of faith that these disciples had. And yet Jesus here is, is, is questioning their faith. So by extension, what about your faith today? What kind of faith do you have you know, it's one thing to have faith enough to where when I give a, uh, an invitation and we start singing a song, you, you take enough faith to step out and walk down the aisle and take my hand, shake it and say, hey, I want to be a Christian. And you bow your head and you say some words and then you go home and act like everything's normal. There's a whole lot of another kind of faith that's the kind of faith that's exhibited during hard times. These disciples were facing a hard time. A storm had arisen. It's one kind of faith to have the faith to follow after Jesus. It's another kind of faith to believe in Him when the storms arise. When it seems like your world's falling apart. When it seems as though everything that you knew before has been turned upside down. What kind of faith do you have then? You know, most of us don't experience that in our life very often. But that's the kind of faith that Jesus is, is questioning here. These men who were fishermen... These men who lived on the Sea of Galilee. These men who knew how to ride in a boat. They knew how to, to, to swim. They, knew, they were men of the sea. For them to be afraid because of the storm and be fearful about what was happening, that says something. And here Jesus is saying to them, don't you have enough faith in me to believe? And what kind of faith is it that Jesus is asking them to have? First of all, it, all the miracles that we've seen Jesus to perform up until this point are miracles that 
had some uh, aspect of, of being performed before. This miracle is, like I said before, is a nature miracle. This is a miracle that is more than healing someone, more than... Uh, and there had been people who were prophets who had healed people before. There had been prophets who had done things uh, uh, similar to healing and, and had prophesied things that occurred. This is a nature miracle in that Jesus addresses a force of nature, the wind. Jesus addresses something that's inanimate, the water. And He says to them, peace, be still. He's telling the water, hey, stop. It'd be like going down to Mexico Beach and say, uh, standing on the beach there and saying, water, stop waving in. And then all of a sudden, the water becomes like your bathtub, still. Jesus said, peace, be still, and the water stopped moving. Jesus said, peace, be still, and the wind stopped blowing. We, we, we can't go outside and, and tell you, where did the wind come from? Well, we, you know, we've got meteorologists to say, well, this high front over here is coming along here and it's making this wind blow and, and all that. We know the direction it's coming, but can we go out there and say, hey, wind, start blowing this way. I want to I sail in my sailboat. Or wind, blow a different direction. I want to be able to, to, to start my uh, pump to irrigate my, water, uh, my crops with my fan over the you know my windmill over there. We don't say any of those things because we know we can't do those things. And yet Jesus here is standing on the brow of a boat and he's saying peace be still. And the wind and the waves they stop. This is a miracle that's more than just something that that indicates that he has power over the physical body or the physical realm of disease. This is a miracle over nature itself, and it, it is a, is a miracle that demonstrates that he's more than just a prophet. He is God. This is a miracle that's akin to Jesus creating. Light by saying, let there be light. Or by saying, uh, let there be vegetation upon all the earth. Or creeping things. And all of a sudden, all kinds of animals appear upon the earth. This is a demonstration of the creative uh, uh, power of Jesus Christ as, as part of the Godhead. And so this demonstrates who Jesus is. He's more than just a prophet. He is God. It also demonstrates uh, that uh, to us that in all of things, in all of life, we don't need to be fearful of anything as long as we are in the hand of God. When we're in the hand, when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, when we allow Him to be the Lord of our life, there's nothing in this world 
not just diseases or illness or, or uh, uh, maladies that cause us to have a deformity or anything like that, but anything in this world that we need to have fear of. That He's God over all things. There's nothing that He can't address in our life. Jesus said to the disciples, why are you fearful? You know, when we were going out knocking on doors, every once in a while there'd be dogs come romping out to, to, to greet us at the car and, and they'd be barking and everything. And, and I'd get out like it was my own dog barking when I'd come home or, or, or whatever else. I didn't have a problem with it. And other people that I've gone with from time to time, they, they're like, oh, I see that dog. I'm not getting out. I'm, I'm not going out there. I'm not, I, well, they just won't get a watermelon this time. I'd get out. I didn't have any problem with it. I'd just walk on up towards the door and I'd knock on the door and everything. All the dogs, they'd just go over here and they'd uh, either just sit and watch me and see what I'm going to do or most of them came up and jumped on me and wanted, wanted me to pet them and love on them and everything like that. Why weren't you afraid? Believe it or not, it was not stupidity. <laughs> it was trusting in God. It was trusting that God would take care of me. Uh, why weren't you afraid? Somebody come out with. We went out into uh, off of Wade Road into some of these houses. They're way out in the woods, and and uh, after we had been to about four or five of them, uh, Brother Lee said, "You know, uh, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's only certain." people that want to live way out in the middle of nowhere and that's people that don't want to be bothered or people that are doing something they don't want other people to see. And I said, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just going up to the door and saying, hey, how you doing? Hey, we got a watermelon. You want it? You know, um, <clears throat> that's faith in God that they didn't come out with a shotgun pointed at me or, or that they are ready to, to shoot me because they uh, were fearful of what I was doing coming up. Even had one lady say to us uh, uh, that when we were driving up, she was wondering if she uh, had remembered to pay all of her bills. She thought we were uh, somebody coming uh, to uh, collect the debt or something. And, and uh, but you know, nobody showed any hostility towards us. Nobody did anything. Why? Because I trusted in God to see us through. That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to good people when they go out. But we have to trust in God. We have to believe in Him. We have to place our trust in, in Jesus Christ. The last thing I want you to see, in verse 41, it says, They feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the waves obey Him. You know, that, that, was, that question was answered prior to them asking it. What kind of man is this? This isn't man. That's right. When you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you're asking Jesus to take away your sins. What kind of man would you ask to take away your sins? You wouldn't ask any man. You ask the Lord of all creation, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You ask God Himself. The very one that you ask 
to take away those, those sins is the very one that you rely upon and trust when you're in the midst of an accident. And you're praying that God would see you through. He's the very one that, that you trust on and you rely on when you go and you stand in the court of law or you go and you defend your faith before others. He's the very one that you trust and depend upon when you're facing your most dire circumstance. We prayed with the young man that, that's in his 40s that has stage 2 cancer, lung cancer. He's the same God, the same God that you asked to forgive you of your sins is the same God that can take away lung cancer. Or the same God that you trust when you have a brain surgery to remove a tumor. It's the same God that you trust when you worry about your heart and you're facing heart disease. It's the same God that you trust when you've been out of work for a year and a half, two years, to provide all that you need. It's the same God. And so my question for you, dear brother and sister in Christ, is how much faith do you have in God? You had enough faith to trust in Him to take away your sins. He's the same one that can see you through when you go knocking on doors, sharing a watermelon or sharing your faith. He's the same one that'll see that person through when they pray about lung cancer. He's the same one that sees you through when the doctor says you have a brain tumor. He's the same one that sees you through when you come to the end of the month and you have more bills than you have money to pay. It's the same God that will see you through. So whom do you trust? Trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I pray that You'll be with those who are here today. Lord, if there's one here today that haven't, hasn't trusted You with their sins... Lord, You are the God and Creator of all things. And You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price and the penalty of my sins on the cross of Calvary. That the One who said, let there be light, would take upon Himself the sins of my sins, the sins of the world, that we might have salvation. He's the same One that said to go and to share the Gospel unto the uttermost parts of the earth and said, I'll be with you every step of the way. He's the same one that David wrote about when he said that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand and know you as Savior to remove the sins of our life, but also Lord of our life, to see us through any difficulty, any storm that may arise, any situation that we trust in You. Not just with our salvation, but with each and every moment that we would walk through the turbulent points of our life, through the storms of our life, knowing and trusting in You with the confidence to trust and rely upon You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.